I've got uh, Connor Boyle and Fred Marshall here. Um, these guys are two um, pretty keen gardeners who have got a unique project that they're about to kick off in Karori. And I just want to say welcome, guys. Uh, nice to have you here. Hello. Hello. It's nice to be here. Thanks. Thanks for coming in. Um, so do you want to tell me a little bit about what you've got planned this weekend? And the, you've got a, it's a community orchard project? Yeah, so um, we've been working with the council. We sort of started talking with uh, Sarah Adams, the urban agriculture officer at the council last year sometime, really. Um, and she's got a really cool program going on called the... Uh, fruit tree guardianship program basically people um in wellington can stand up and say hey there's a bit of public land near me which could support a fruit tree or or a bunch of fruit trees and the council will give them a tree and plant it for them and then it's just up to the residents to look after the trees harvest them and make use of the of the fruit really uh it's a it's a good system because it means that everyone wins basically. It's really low effort for the council and um and it makes the city a lot nicer to be in if you've got public free fruit everywhere. Um yeah. so to to help reduce the cost of it, because like the council was originally doing it through their landscaping team, which means that it costs about two hundred and fifty bucks mm. per tree. Um and which is just kind of absolutely crazy. It's not cheap. No, it's an obnoxious amount to pay for a fruit tree, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, so we came along and said we can do it for much cheaper. Um, and in return, basically volunteering, uh, and in return they said, well, all right, we could give you a, a tree for each one that you plant around the city. So we've spent um, a few weekends recently out all around the city planting heaps of fajoa trees, pear, uh, apple, and plum trees. Um, on a whole lot of public spaces, and now we've got forty, about forty tree, trees uh, that they've given us that we're going to be planting out in Karori, and as well as uh, as of today, we've been given the license for a piece of land out in Thurley Grove, which is council land that we can um, that we can plant all this stuff on, and we. Uh, Fred started up a um, a crowdfunding campaign. Yeah, yeah, I started a pledge me um, the. The goal of the Pledge Me was to get about 500 bucks to pay for all of the odds and ends of planting. Um, all of the stuff that we have left over from the other planting will, of course, go to that. But uh, we ended up getting 168% of our goal, which is about right. 843 bucks, which shows to me that there's a big interest in the city and... Uh, we, we didn't really push this Pledge yeah. Me at all, really. We, we put it up... Uh, we shared it on Facebook a few times, and yeah, within a week we got about four hundred bucks. Right, it's great. So, yeah, it, um, there's a big interest. And so, you guys, I mean, how did you get involved in this? What is it about fruit trees in the city that you know gets you excited? Obviously, you're both from a, a gardening background. Is that right? Um, well, no, not really. Uh, originally, I started. Uh, I came down to Wellington to study media. I'm from a small town originally, and grew up with a bunch of fruit trees, so I always knew the value of having like heaps of fijoas. Um But then I moved down, did media, and then through watching a whole bunch of documentaries about the problems of the world, you know, climate change, etc., um, I got kind of like bummed out. And then I came across a documentary about permaculture, which was really positive and really solutions-based. Can you tell, tell us, our listeners, a little bit about permaculture? Uh, permaculture is a design system which basically takes 
the whole uh, living on the planet thing into consideration. Like, how do we live well? But how do we design the land around us and the society around us in a way um, that benefits not only humans but every other living thing on the planet? And uh, food forests sort of come out of that, which is uh, it's uh, an ecosystemic design. You basically, instead of an orchard, which is maybe apples and apples and apples and apples and apples, you've got apples, pears, citrus, like any kind of fruit you can name. You've got trees, you've got shrubs, you've got all of these things. It's like a Willy Wonka factory of food. Mm. It, and it's designed to be really um, low maintenance and kind yeah. of a high yield for the amount of effort that has to go into it. So whereas conventional agricultural practices require a lot of inputs, whether that be work or using machinery or um, fertilizers or pesticides to be used in order to keep all the trees healthy and productive, um, in this case, uh, what are the trees that we're using for nitrogen fixes, Fred? Um, Corfi. Uh, at the moment uh, is is what I've designed into the system, and Corfoy is a native. Um, we tend to lean towards native trees mm-hmm. for um, the Companions. support, yeah, companion support sure. trees. And uh, Corfoy is a native uh, nitrogen fixer, which means that it's going to fertilize the other trees. And and attract uh, birds. And attract mm-hmm. birds. And we've also got kakabik, which is an uh, which is a re- sort of a threatened native as well. And that's a nitrogen fixer as well. So these are this is part of the build you've set for the project that mm-hmm. kicks yeah. off on Saturday. Is that right? That's right. Um, and so native birds is a is a big component to it, and also oh, for sure. I think birds um, and insects. We're looking birds at and hives out there. Yeah, yeah, cool. And I guess the challenge with a community led project like this is getting people involved so it sounds like you guys have really considered the fact that you want it to be low maintenance too yeah um the the location is ideal because it's it's bordered by a whole bunch of um residential houses and how big sorry just cut you off how big's the location um it's it's about the same size as a regular um section so quarter acre ish um it's slightly slopy, um, but that's okay because uh, fruit trees don't really worry about that too much. Um, and because we've got so many people living around there and we've got quite a bit of buy-in in the local um, community with it, uh, maintenance will be no issue because people will be using the space. Tell me a little bit about that buy-in. Who have you got involved and behind it? Um, well, so one of the really important uh pieces of the puzzle is this group called the Community Fruit Harvesting Network. They're basically a nationwide bunch of people that look out for any fruit trees on um, publicly accessible land and when their fruit is ready to be harvested no one's grabbing it. They go and get it and process it within groups. They sort of organise working bees and um, then give it to community groups whether it be through schools or I mean wherever that, that anyone that possibly wants nice, delicious, tasty, healthy fruit products um, or fresh fruit yeah. from those those trees, and so we, we contacted that group when we um, started looking at how we could maybe make this project work. And instantly, they were just like, "Yeah, absolutely. If if you plant it, then we'll come and eat your fruit." Um, <laughs> uh, and it's so, a good offer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not too bad. Um, and then Fred and I uh, actually sort of started working together um, around this time last year with yeah, with a group much. of other people that. Um, all kind of interested in, in these ideas of, of how do we create a resilient 
food system. Um, it, that was sort of what, what drew most of us together, I think. That this, uh, the group is called, called uh, Grow Aotearoa. Um, we've got a little Facebook page if you want to come and check out what we, what we do. There's a, it's a pretty disparate group with some people involved in very um, diverse projects, but all sort of geared towards um, sustainability, um, conservation, and, and often with a, with a shared passion for uh, the concept of a, of a sustainable, resilient food system. Mm. Um, which, like, while it, while it might seem just like a, a nice idea to, to have some fruit trees uh, out in, in the suburbs, um, this, is, this is really part of, a, of an actually uh, kind of a concerted effort by a lot of people around Wellington and around New Zealand and even the world, uh, which is towards the, the, the goal of having a food system. When I say food system, I mean all of the different parts of all of the different people and processes that put food on our plates and in our refrigerators and in our pantry um, as, a, as, a, as a global society. Because the, the current system that we have, one which is globalised and mechanised and distributed around the entire world, but ultimately centralised by some pretty uh, gargantuan things like supermarkets and people mm. that control seed and control fertiliser or uh, simply really big um, land-owning uh, things, like large farming corporations, basically – is, is, is an issue. Um, there was an excellent report which was uh, brought out by the United Nations Conference on Trade and Environment. Uh, the, the title of the report really sums it all up. It said, um, uh, what, what was it called? Um, make agriculture sustainable for a, uh, make agriculture sustainable for a secure food system in a changing climate. The idea that we have a fundamentally flawed food system and that if we don't do anything about it, and not too long from now, we're going to find a lot of really big problems with feeding this growing population on our planet. So, Absolutely. so Connor, I mean, how did you get to this point? Your your background as in um, sort of investigating these things. You've obviously got a, a real passion for the issues out there. Um, my my background, uh, I studied um, geography and environmental science, uh, and that, but that was sort of after realizing that I was spending all of my spare time um, researching environmental issues. Uh, and in that process, I, I started to get um, really scared and interested um, by the concepts of, of how important food is to climate change and to people and uh, what we potentially need to do about this this current situation. Like, there's, there's some really crazy statistics, which off the top of my head I can't remember, and they're not going to mean anything much to, <laughs> to the listeners, but um, the main point is that... that uh, Agriculture and our food is one of the largest parts of this climate change greenhouse gas oh, problem, yeah. and it's one of the parts which isn't really being discussed. Sort of when you ask a lot of people, oh, you know, what are your ideas on how we solve this climate change situation? They go, oh, mm-hmm. everyone just stop driving cars. That's easy. Actually, transport is, is it's not. A, it's a quite a small part. Really. Yeah, sure. In, in comparison to, I mean, energy overall is, is a big one, but yeah. um, but agriculture is huge, especially um, animal agriculture. So, um, so how the garden in Karori has—I mean, how does this fit into that? So, it fits into the concept of making um, 
food locally grown as a as a more visible thing that more people are engaging with, that more people are aware of, that it's easy to do and it, it's beneficial um, to themselves sort of directly and beneficial in terms of helping to build community, um, in terms of beautifying areas. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a lovely thing to be able to look out your window and yeah. or walk along and see a whole load of fruit of trees course, heavily yeah. laden. And um, increasing biodiversity as well is really important. I mean, these sorts of projects are going to increase um, the amount of birds that are coming through if we've got coal fire trees and mm-hmm. um, there like we were mentioning um, as well as having uh, uh, hives, beehives able to be right. sustained there with a whole lot of fruit trees and flowering plants that the bees can feed off of that also means that local residents could have access to honey um, there's, there's so many reasons why it's good um, there's even excellent, excellent research into the uh, neurological development benefits for children to be exploring environments like this and th- this site is not too far from um, from a, a school so we're mm, hoping that we can really get close. involvement yeah. with sounds, the school Sounds very well chosen Come up So look. Yeah. What, I mean, what's planned for Saturday? You, you guys have a bunch of volunteers coming out, you've got trees tell me a little bit about that yeah uh we got as connor said before uh we got supplied the trees from the council uh one per one we planted and we've got around 40 trees um 30 to 40 trees uh plus uh understory shrubs and herbs and that kind of stuff um and we're gonna basically all get together on the day uh we're gonna dig some holes we're gonna (laughs) plant a whole bunch of trees um, we'll have a big shared lunch. Big shared lunch. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we're planning to have a share table, so like if you've got some stuff that you want to give away, um, some other people might come and take it. So that's whether that be like, yeah, gardening tools or Box seeds or, or plants or whatever. Yeah, whatever. It be. Absolutely anything. That's really. great. Yeah. And so, where can people find out about it? Uh, we have a Facebook event, um, which is the Wellington Public Food Forest Planting. I believe it's called. Um, it's findable on our Facebook site, which is Grow Aotearoa, um, and I will make sure to share this um, on the radio. I guess you guys have a Facebook page. Of course, yeah. Um, I, will, I will share it on there as well. Um, yeah, at, at the moment we've got about 60 people coming. Well, coming on Facebook, but, you know. <laughs> The more, the merrier. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, something you said to me earlier today, which I thought sort of sums it up really nicely, was you said um, money doesn't grow on trees, but fruit does. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I think that's a, a really nice way to, that, to look that at That sums up my whole cool perspective this on this is. thing. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Laurie, what do you think? One more question. For the average, uh, you know, well, I'm going to say Wellingtonian, Wellingtonian, but Kiwi, we've always got an excuse mm. about what, why we can't do something. Mm. What would you suggest that every household could just start doing to start making change and having a, a plentiful garden? in their own backyard. Well, I mean, that's one thing is, is, is being able to start uh, your own garden, but that's not available to a lot of people, mm. especially with more people Absolutely. living um, in sort of more densely urban, populated yeah. urban environments. And and what it comes down to then is where is your food coming from? Um, it's a it's a pretty interesting thing to just start mm. looking into, just looking at the, at the packets at the supermarket and going, where actually does this come from? Mm. And kind of starting to think about the fact that your food does have to be grown somewhere, even the stuff which is brightly coloured and doesn't look like it came from a tree or out of the ground mm. it, it definitely came from somewhere and it was grown somehow yeah. and so starting to think about that is, is something we need to be doing as a society really. Great. It just makes sense to grow food where you live basically <laughs> and you can plant a tree 
that will outlive you, outlive your children, and it'll provide food for that entire time. And it takes 10 to 15 minutes to plant well. So if you can take 10 to 15 minutes out of your life to plant a fruit tree, then that's going to provide food for future generations. And I think it's kind of the way to go, to be honest. Yeah, it's very simple. There's minimal work for maximum output. 